This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, my name's Daryl Ong, and this is Banan, the show that brings you through the ins and outs of the sporting world. Over the last five years, we've seen a change of government three times, and with that, also three different youth and sports ministers. Each of these, of course, at the helm came with their own ideas and policies, willing to stamp their mark and legacy, notwithstanding how short that tenure might be. With the upcoming general elections, we will see yet another appointment at the head of the KBS, the Kementerian Belia Dansukan, who will be spearheading the nation's charge to the Tokyo Olympics in 2024. With that being said, today on the program, we're going to explore the role of a youth and sports minister and the different nuances that comes with the post. For example, should the sports minister be an ex-athlete? Should youth and sport, though overlapping in certain aspects, be separate entities? Joining me on the show this week is sports lawyer Richard Wee, a man who also serves as a panel of experts at the Kementerian Berlia Dan Sukan. Well, um, I've had the opportunity to see firsthand how they operate over the last um, seven years now. And effectively, I think the ministry's, uh, not the minister, the ministry's uh, principal work yeah. for the youth section is to generate activities uh, to empower the youth. Uh, there's also clearly a curriculum towards um, training Youth, uh, youth leaders. Mm. Uh, that that is evident in the in the way they project the things. For sports, um, through the three major uh, sporting organizations, which is mainly Majlis Sukanegara (MSN), Institute Sukanegara (ISN), and PSM, which is the Prabadan Stadium, the a government agency to take care of the, for example, Bukijala Stadium. Through these three agencies, the ministry, of course, uh, try to encourage sporting activities. Uh, for MSN and ISN, it's about uh, high-performance athletes uh, trying to win the elusive goal for Olympics. Uh, Olympics, but also to maintain our standard as uh, one of the uh, top countries in Southeast Asia for sports, SEA Games, etc., etc. They work with OCM, uh, which is, of course, an independent uh, association mm-hmm. dealing with IOC there. And uh, for PSM Stadium, uh, the, uh, the Ministry of Youth and Sports um, have that arm to manage the infrastructure of sports, uh, the hockey, the badminton hall, the uh, separate, uh, sorry, the uh, squash courts, etc., etc. Et yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, lots, of, lots of things happening. Lots of jurisdictions under uh, the Ministry of Youth and Sport. Um, with all this, Richard, you've been there. Do you feel that? You know, it's too much. Like youth and sport should be, you know, separate entities, or are these two sectors just permanently intertwined? You know, Daryl, that's a that's a really good question. And for a long time, my personal view is that it should be separated. Uh, I feel that, of course, there's an overlap between youth and sports. Uh, that's not uh, yeah, yeah, of course. Let's go. Let's not uh, deny that. Yeah. Mm. But there's also many uh, overlaps, or much overlaps between sports and infrastructure, sports and economy. Um, uh, sports and education. Um, so should we then merge sports with education, for example? Yeah. So I think uh, it should be separate simply because sports is a standalone industry. Mm. Uh, I think many people underestimate the veracity and the extent of uh, the sporting industry in Malaysia. Mm. I'll give an example before we move sure, on. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, if you have a, a running competition in, in KL, 
the person taking part in the running competition will may buy a new pair of socks, pair of shoes, income for the sporting business. Then he or she will take a public transport to go down and run maybe. Mm. So which means that public transport company earn money. Mm. Uh, probably typical Malaysian will always have nasi lemak before they run. So the nasi lemak store will earn some money. Blah, it's a whole ecosystem. Yeah, yeah. And then after the run, they will go for food massage mm. or they go for what kind of masseur, take a rest, blah, blah, blah. There's a huge repercussion from mm. one event, just one event. Uh, mm. So imagine repeating that over and over again. So that's why I feel just a small, tiny example I gave you. It illustrates the potential of a uh, sporting industry as a standalone Um, industry, yeah, yeah, for sure. Because you, you right, like you rightly pointed out, you know, there are a lot of you know things that youth and sport do uh, work together with. Right, they go, they are pretty much aligned. But also, there are a lot of things that aren't. You know, like we were mentioning off the mic, Undi 18, for example. What does that have to do with sport? Right, correct, correct. Yeah, I suppose um, uh, you need political will to divide that. Mm. And um, I do not know whether this coming election, whoever who wins the election and become the government, I. I don't think any of them would have the political will to to divide it yet. Yeah, but I personally hope that they will be divided yeah, yeah. one day. Mm. Yeah, but I think most of it stems from the fact that you know, I guess Malaysians love their sport, right? And to have that one person dedicated just to sport sounds like a dream come true. Yeah, in yeah, that'd be good. That'd yeah. be good. Yeah. Um, next one, Richard. Uh, there's no question, you know, that you know, sport, like you rightly mentioned, you know, requires funding across all sectors. Um, what would you say is the best way to find that balance, you know, between a uh, creating a sustainable sport ecosystem and also b Maintaining sporting excellence, mm. money and excellence. Again, really good question. Actually, it's it's two spectrum of the same matter. Mm. Um, one is the sports for the entire rakyat. Uh, we need to create uh, a system, a infrastructure, the opportunity for any Malaysian mm. to play any sport at any time. So of course our favorite example is always playing badminton outside the house, oh, where, yeah. you know terrace house, and the gate becomes the the, the net. Uh, that shows opportunity. All you got to do is buy a racket so you make the badminton racket affordable Any Malaysian can play badminton outside the house, example. That, to be fair to all the governments, uh, we have, we've had like three governments in the last five years mm-hmm. um, and even dating back to the 70s and 80s, the Malaysian government has always been um, heavily involved in sports infrastructure. We've always built new stadiums, good stadiums um, for whatever events. So in terms of uh, accessibility for sports, especially in urban areas, I feel we're not bad. Mm. You know, there's always a badminton hall nearby, squash court nearby, swimming pool nearby, etc., etc. If you know what I mean. Mm. But for when it comes to premium sports, uh, elite I, sports, elite sports, sorry, yeah. uh, where you're dealing with high performance athletes, athletes who uh, may win the gold medal uh, for the world championship or the Olympics. Now, for that, requires a lot of money. Mm. Uh, you require low investment mm. in the activities, the training, the um, the, the the products, the uh, uh, usage, the badminton rackets, the equipment. Sorry, uh, they require a lot of investment in that. So that is where I feel the there should be a merger um, between the private sector and public sector. We we can't just rely on the government all the time to provide money for sports. Yeah. Um, there must be some involvement from the private sector. Mm. It happened before uh, when under YB Kairi, and even before that in YB Azalina's time, we can see that uh, that minister tried to bring in uh, more private uh, more sponsorship. Private, yeah. mm. So the last three ministers, uh, YB Said Sadiq, YB Dato Rizal, and the current uh, minister of youth and sports, uh, interim government now, uh, we call him Peja in mm-hmm. nickname. Yeah. Uh, I think they have too short a time. 
mm. to do something about it. Mm. But uh, I feel any of these ministers is given time, just like YBKJ, they will bring in private investors to come in. We need that. We need private investors to come in. It's yep. necessary, mm. right? Necessary, yes. Um, thinking about you know the incoming youth and sports minister and you being you know working with KBS for such a long time, I think you're quite in a good position to talk about this. You know, should more emphasis from the next youth and sports minister be on grassroots or elite sports? Obviously, both of these work in tandem, but should more emphasis be given on one of these? Well, um, okay, slight correction. Uh, I don't really work with KBS. I work uh, with them on projects. Sure. I, I don't want to keep panel of experts. Yeah, we work in the panel of experts. Yeah, but. Um, the to me grassroots is very very important we cannot get the next uh, badminton world champion or squash world champion unless we've got a good grassroots system mm. so i think grassroots system is crucial we need to get the grassroots um to be as rooted as possible mm. <laughs> pardon my pun yeah um and that 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 is lacking it to to some extent we, we can't really just rely on the associations to do it mm. they lack funding uh, the fact is all sports associations lack funding and um, it requires a lot of energy. Mm. And the ministry through not just Kementerian Belia Nasukan, there's also Jabatan Belia Nasukan, which is the uh, government agency for that. That can be utilised to engage that. And to be fair, JBS is very active in that. Mm. But that to me is a priority. You mm. come in into the KBS, uh, look at the grassroots. Uh, we got to make sure that the young girl in uh, Kulim or the young boy in uh, Kulai has a chance to play the game that he or she is good at mm. and maybe one day become our next world champion. That's, yeah. uh, because like, like you ri- rightly pointed out, you know, uh, two questions ago, that the urban areas, infrastructure is pretty much, you know, very accessible. But in these rural areas, it's hard-pressed for them to find a place to... Know, develop their talent and, and train their talent, right? So that definitely has to be an emphasis, right? In the rural areas, at I least. Agree. I yeah. agree. Um, talking a little bit about, you know, you were mentioning um, three governments in the past five years, three youth and sports ministers mm. in the past five years. And with new ministers come, you know, new ideas and policies. Uh, newcomers will often stay away from the initiatives and legacies of their predecessors. Um, would you say that that continuity, you know, for that long-term plan or the lack of continuity, for example, is a major obstacle in advancing sporting culture in Malaysia? Mm, another good question. <laughs> no, um, there are pros and cons, you know, Daryl. Um, if you have a minister who is in charge for a long time, uh, it definitely will create continuity and some sort of uh, um, calmness in mm. the system because it's the same. Or co- a consistent consistency plan, at least. Yes, right? yeah. And then the the policies are going to be consistent. But new people always bring new ideas. Yeah. So, for example, uh, when YB Said Sadiq came in, he pushed esports really hard. And I must say something. Actually, many people didn't realize that at the tail end of YBKJ's time, he actually, he started yeah, yeah. esports. Yeah, he's, he, but of course, uh, Sai Sadek came in. He was a definitely a youth minister, young chap uh, with great ideas. So he created a new impetus and that has gone on. So new ministers bring new ideas, which is also good. Mm. Uh, but too often changes. Exactly. Kenolah, a bit susah lah, yeah? Yeah, yeah. But uh, the three ministers we had recently, I will say one thing about this. All three, when I work with them, they clearly have good ideas. They they want to do something for sports. But they are, of course, constrained by time. And the fact is, they have political issues that they have to deal with. Hmm. So I would hope the next uh, government, hopefully lah, not just for sports, but everything else, sure, yeah. that we have some sort of consistency. I think Malaysia is tired of changing government, mm. you know, especially when 
the majority did vote for one particular government and it changed without most of the majority's view. Yeah. So let's hope uh, the next one will be more consistent. Our sports lawyer Richard Wee as today on the program we are exploring the role of the youth and sports minister and the different nuances that comes with the role. More to come right here on Banan, so do stay tuned only here on BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, my name is Daryl Ong and you tune in to Banan, the show that brings you through the ins and outs of the sporting world. In view of the impending general election, this week on the program, we are exploring the role of the Youth and Sports Minister and the different nuances that comes with being at the helm of national sports policies. Long-term policies and sustainable, consistent plans are always ideal. However, not always the case, where new ministers come with new ideas, often derailing the plans of their predecessors. Joining us on the program this week is sports lawyer and member of the panel of experts at KBS, Richard Wee, and continuing the conversation, we touch on dated policies that the incoming Youth and Sports Minister should change and update. Some of the projects, of course, uh, when it comes to, for example, uh, high-performance athletes, elite mm. athletes, mm. Uh, may need to be refreshed. Uh, we had a podium program at yep. one time, yep. uh, which was parked at the National Sports Institute. It was very, very well run. Of course, there will be some views to the contrary, mm. but I was very lucky to see it running with my own eyes. And my view, uh, despite there was a slight lack of manpower, uh, the podium program was uh, striving very, very hard. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just a personal view. I do not know whether this is a universal view, but I think even the athletes look comfortable uh, with program. ISN mm-hmm. running the podium program. It was, of course, moved back to the our grandmaster of sports, which is MSN. MSN is a very experienced organization. Uh, they've been doing it for decades. Uh, and the current leader, Dato Shapawi, he's a very experienced chap. So he knows how to get the best mm. out of the sports. Huh? Mm. So he, he went back to uh, um, MSN now, Podium. But because of the lockdown over the last two years, the, the pandemic, I think it put paid to the whatever growth. Mm. And now with Malaysia opening back, I hope the Podium program can be reviewed. It doesn't matter who they park under, MSN or ISN. As long as it goes on. As long as it goes on. And mm. it goes on well. Mm. Yeah, And I think it needs to be refreshed. Um, Richard, I want to ask a bit about your opinion on you know, that youth and sports minister post. Uh, should it be a person who's not a politician, say like there are calls for the minister to be an ex-athlete, for example, because there is a strong argument that, right, that um, those who are in that position have represented the country, they know better. They know the best. Yeah, actually, I, I've met some really outstanding athletes who, uh, upon their retirement, has uh, very progressive uh, administration thinking. Because uh, just because you're a national athlete doesn't mean you're good at administration. Sure, uh, yeah, Sports course, management is all about administration. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I've seen that, and I feel that there is a merit, there is merit in the suggestion mm. that ex-athletes should become the minister of uh, sports, but um, I, I think the the fact is in Malaysia the political uh, progress is very strong. Mm. Uh, mm. We have a top down governance. You know, from the top they push down, 
it would be very tough if uh, the athlete come in, get appointed, and doesn't have political support. Sure. Uh, it would be tough for him or her. Mm. Uh, perhaps what they can do is that uh, the next minister can appoint an athlete to be a supervisor, right. uh, someone right on top, or be a deputy minister. Not deputy. Yeah, yeah you know, be a, appoint mm. a, him or her to be a senator, and then put him or her as a deputy minister. Yeah, because because the policies that they do change and the decisions that they make ultimately affect people like them, right? The correct, athletes. Correct, correct, yeah. yeah. So that maybe that's one time people don't look at their political affiliates and appoint someone who has no political authority but purely for the love of sports. Mm. So yeah. hopefully, it, it hopefully happens. Mm. Uh, speaking of that, Richard, um, the Youth and Sports Minister post is traditionally... Uh, I don't say this, but a stepping stone, right? To mm. to bigger uh, appointments and stuff like that. You know, people like Dr. Sri Najib, uh, like Major Azalina, YBKJ as well. Even caretaker PM uh, Ismail Sabri was Youth and Sports Minister once upon a time, right? Um, what are your thoughts on this? Should more importance be given to that post? Yeah, the fact is, uh, Daryl, uh, the elephant in the room is that the KBS is always seen as the one of the smallest ministry in the governance system. Mm. Uh, which is really unfortunate. To me, the youth and the sports are the future of the country. The youth, of course, carry the future of the uh, people. Mm. Sports is, of course, whenever the sports is developed, we do very well. We create new legends. Uh, people then get involved. People become healthy because they play games. Yada, yada. You know the the the, uh, the flowchart, uh, you know, that they're all. But I, I feel that... Um, that should change because, uh, again, as back to I said earlier in the interview, uh, for sports especially, it is a very very effective industry. Uh, it is it shouldn't be seen as a part time uh, by the way kind of uh, ministry. Mm. On its own, I feel it can generate billions of ringgit mm. uh, in terms of money and in terms of rakyat uh, growth. We all know. Sports is good for everybody. Mm. And uh, in terms of unity, we all saw during the Olympic Games, all Malaysians, irrespective of race and religion and gender, supported one athlete. Mm. So it goes to show the unity is very, very powerful. So I think sports should be a, one of the top five ministries in Malaysia. Mm. You say that, Richard, but you know, there is you know ongoing public perception that you know money spent by the government, we just heard the budget um, uh, uh, late last month, right, on, on you know, how much is given to sport. And although, you know, money put in and invested in these athletes does bring mengharumkan nama negara, right? Yeah. At, at the same time, it brings no economic returns, right? I mean, caretaker, uh, even sports minister, Faisal Zumu Peja once said that this was an old-fashioned view. Um, I'm on the fence of this, uh, but what's your take on it? Well, number one, uh, the fact is, if we want to win gold, we need investment. Every country in the world which uh, go for the top three in the Olympics or whatever world championship, mm. they invest a lot of money. Uh, I remember when Germany played very badly in the Football World Cup uh, back in 2010. They invested heavily in the youth and they won. They went all the way to the final in mm. 2014-2016, around that time. So it takes money to invest. So whether we like it or not, if we want a country to, to succeed in sports, we need investment both from the private sector and public sector. Uh, but we also need investment in infrastructure. We just discussed that mm. uh, infrastructure mm. in the rural areas, mm. sub-rural, uh, and of course the the, the maintenance of the uh, uh, urban sports complexes. But um, I feel that uh, the many people don't realize that. Just take like our legendary badminton players. We have so many good badminton players, and because of that, people fly to Malaysia to, to watch. watch. 
Mm. Uh, our badminton championship before the lockdown, of course, before all this COVID. I I know we have neighboring countries. People fly in to watch the badminton tournament. Mm. Um, our uh, when when our national uh, world squash champion come back and play, we have neighboring uh, people coming in to watch uh, our uh, uh, marathon competition. We have neighboring people flying in. That really brings in a lot of money. Mm. So like, there are economic yeah, returns. Yeah. Like, like Trialton, for example, mm. I, I know for a fact Trialton, which is mostly foreign participants, they bring in a lot of money to that place where they're taking uh, taking part. You know, mm. the hotels, the mm. the taxis, yada yada. Mm. So yes, uh, uh, I think the perception is inaccurate, mm. and I think the people should realize that actually every time there's a sporting event. Uh, and uh, whether local take part or foreigners come in and take part, there's a generation of income. Which really makes me wonder, Richard, you know, just thinking about this now, maybe sports should be parked or work in tandem with tourism, for example, rather than youth. Maybe they'll make better sense, don't you possible? think? Possible, yep, possible. Yeah. That, that is another one option, yeah, if they really want to merge sports with somebody, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, over the years, we've seen a bunch of problems faced by you know incoming ministers. Most recently, um, I think was early this year or late last year, the uh, podium program was had budget cuts and half the athletes uh, were let go. Right now, Richard, what would you say is the utmost priority for the incoming youth and sports minister? When it comes to youth, I, I feel the next ministry, uh, minister, sorry, would have to really look at the changing mindset of the youth. It is very evident that uh, the the youth of now is different from the youth of 10 years ago mm. uh, in terms of thinking, mentality, yada, yada. So they need to, 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 to create more curriculum and activities to reach out to the youth. But mm. when it comes to sports, where I, I, I'm more comfortable speaking in, um, I think the first thing the minister got to come in is to uh, look at the, in terms of elite sports, the upcoming Olympics. Sure. Uh, so that's, uh, we need to try and win uh, something there mm. or at least take part uh, strong with a strong performance. You know? mm. It's not just always about winning, it's also trying to take part and don't look like we are- Doing well. Doing well, uh, and doing well exactly, <laughs> you know. Then uh, the next one is uh, to take on the VC Sukhanegara. We we just, uh, under Dato Rizal, mm. he launched uh, VSN 2030, VC Sukhanegara. That's right. And uh, under this vision, uh, it's something like our Wawasan 2020, which of course we just passed it. It kind of didn't happen, but never mind. Uh, for VSN 2030, uh, I think the minister wants to expand the professionalism in sports, activity in sports, uh, bringing in professionals like uh, uh, doctors, lawyers into sports, etc., etc. I think that's something uh, the next minister must look at. Well, what was the progress on v- VSN right now? Well, it started under Dato Rizal's time. Uh, I think Dato Rizal uh, was adamant to try and target 2030 to make Malaysia a far better sporting nation. Mm. Uh, not just an athlete, but uh, people like me getting involved uh, and bringing in uh, a bigger crowd coming in to assist the growth of the sports. So that's, that's what he wanted to do. And of course... Uh, we had a change of minister, as we know. And I think uh, recently, the Dato' Faisal, uh, also known as Peja, he announced during the Hari Sukhanagara about the launch of VSN 2030. And now we have a change of government, so <laughs> we have to wait for the next minister to come in and look at VSN 2030. Uh, it could just be, it could end up being Dato' Peja again. Uh, Dato' Faisal, we don't know. He, yeah, who knows, he could yeah. come back, yeah. yeah. And hopefully they will uh, put into action, lah. Mm. Mm. There are about you know twenty three different departments uh, around there uh, uh, under the Youth and Sports Ministry. Do you feel that the ministers have you know too many other duties outside of sport, and therefore not having it sufficient time to, well, to work on sport? To be fair, Daryl, uh, 
running a ministry is not of as course. easy as you know uh, running a any 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 small business or you you're dealing with the government uh, the whole country's policy so in fact i think 23 department is okay for mm. for that and the current uh, the last four five ministers i've seen whenever they deal with sports they are really focused on sports um so like for example the current minister is very focused on safe sports mm. uh, he's very adamant to develop a safe environment for all athletes so i i, I feel that the current ministers uh, whoever takes over in future they will have a good basis a good foundation to work on and uh, but they should as the question suggests should focus a little bit more on sports than administration lah hmm. let the administrators do their work uh, but having said that i repeat having 20 30 departments is okay hmm. for for that uh, that ministry it's not too it's bad okay. not too hmm. bad yeah uh, last question richard ultimately what can be done better in terms of using sports and uh, the sporting culture for youth empowerment and improving the quality of life for malaysians you know um I get this question all the time. <laughs> uh, it's, it's funny because at the end of the day, I'm just a lawyer. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, we do a lot of sports matters. But um, I've seen with my own eyes how good sporting events, uh, good sporting structure, uh, good sporting people bring the best out of people. And when I use the word good, I'm talking about effective system uh, where selection is based on proper KPI, Um, the passion of uh, the person running it is evident in the way the, pro- the event is taken, uh, uh, taking place. And I, I feel these are the people we need to empower. Mm. Uh, so we have uh, a lot of good people out there running events. Uh, they're doing um, running facilities. We have good coaches out there who love sports because they, they want to get the best of athletes. We got people working in MSN and ISN, very passionate about sports, uh, getting the best out of sports science, etc., etc. We have people in PSM taking care, literally taking care of the grass, mm. <laughs> you know, maintaining the grass so that the pitch is always top form. Maintaining you know? the grass and its roots. <laughs> yeah, and its roots exactly. You know, so I think the next minister should focus on 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 um, empowering people who clearly can deliver uh, and try to cut down on political people coming in. We respect sometimes we see people who are not involved in sports getting involved because of the political connection to the minister. Uh, that is a fact. So, but having said that, it's not um, overwhelming. It's not universal. Usually in sports, it's uh, I would defend the industry by saying that the minister is always involved with people who are heavily involved in sports. So they correct, correctly hang around with the correct people. Hmm. But I feel in future, the next minister uh, look at the people who are very passionate in sports, genuine, work with these people, build sports from these people. And I can tell you, Daryl, there are thousands and thousands of Malaysians out there who love sports. And they are very good administrators, good uh, organizers, good coaches, blah, 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 work with these people. Our sports lawyer Richard V. As this week on the program, we've been exploring the role of the youth and sports minister. And with that, we've come to the end of this week's show. If you'd like to revisit this episode, go head over soon to our website www.bfm.my/barnun. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, do tweet us at BFM Radio. My name's Daryl Ong and this has been Bar None, the show that brings you through the ins and outs of the sporting world. Join us again next week, only here on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.